Thanks, Marie. Can we clap for Marie because we're a charismatic church? At least we could do. At least we don't have flags. Have you ever been to a church that has flags? It's nice. We have some flags back there, but it's an American flag. We're not going to do that. Uh, it's a rough spot. Anyway, hey, Chris, I'm glad you're here. Uh, coming off an uh, airplane, got landed at 11.30, showed up this morning, ready to go. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to be with you. Um, doing a little bit of transition indoors. We may end up back outdoors. Don't know. I'm currently passively, aggressively arguing with the school, so we'll figure that out uh, together. But I'm just glad that you're here. And yes, it has been two years since we've been in this room, and the last two years have sucked. But I'm so glad, I mean, come on, like, dude, like, can you imagine, like, a lot of you, some of you helped us launch this church, and then you have to do all these things, and then you have to come back, and the thing with the thing, and it's all really painful, but I believe that God is with me, uh, and that God is with us, that God wants to work in us and through us, and through this time, he did something. Now, I don't understand all the stuff that God did during the last two years, uh, but my trust is in him. Is there a lot of yelling happening out there? Hey, stop yelling. So, hey, Tara, will you handle that? All right, we'll, we'll cut this from the recording. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to get started. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so all the leadership just ran out of the room. Like, okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to do, we're going to do a little crowd work to open up. Uh, and crowd work is where I ask you questions and then you kind of participate as you feel led. Uh, but the crowd work is this. What are, in your mind, what are some of the most dynamic duos of all time, what what do what what combo what partnerships come to mind? Okay, Sunny and Cher, I got you, babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were a good dynamic duo for a minute. Um, they went their separate ways, uh, you know. But Cher is one of a kind. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, uh, good. Would Sunny Sunny? Sorry, sorry. Simon and Garfunkel. Who? Yes. Did you ever see a show back in the day? Did you ever see him? Yeah, Paul Simon, uh, Garfunkel. They're good. I like their music. Good stuff. Thanks, Howard. Uh, someone else? What, what's another dynamic duo? Batman and Robin. Gotta love the tights. Gotta love, gotta love the tights. Did you see yourself as more of a Batman guy or girl or a Robin? No one wants to admit, no, no one wants to admit they were Robin. <laughs> I do like the tights. Uh, yeah, what other, what other duos? Mario and Luigi, who was a dedicated Luigi player? Like, I, I will not be Mario, I'll be Luigi. I'm the only one, maybe because it was I had, okay, you got you right there, that's good. Dynamic duos. We're, talk, hey, we're talking about dynamic duos. What is your favorite dynamic duo of all time? No. <laughs> can, I get, uh, can I get you and Patrick to give each other a hug right now? No, you don't have, yeah, oh. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, what's it? Yes. Yes, you can't have John Lennon without Paul McCartney. And you can't have Paul McCartney without John Lennon. Right? What's that? You do. You do. You have wings. And we're not talking about wings. I'll go eat wings, but I'm not going to listen to wings. I mean, wings. You know, uh, yeah, and that's true. Because why? Why? Because John was really like, this is the vision. We're super serious. And Paul would come on and be like, let's make it a little bit more fun. And then th they wrote better songs that way. They drove each other to be better. I love it. Have we, well, it's a small church. That's pretty much everybody. Uh, 
Now we're talking. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Yes. That is a good one. That's a real good one. Did you know Michael Jordan couldn't win anything till they brought on Scotty? Yeah, yeah, because Scotty understood what Michael needed. Uh, and Michael knew what he needed. Because <laughs> Michael was always about Michael. Anyway, but that was a good, that was like one of the top two right there. Yeah. All right. Peanut butter and jelly, man. Peanut butter and jelly. That's a good one. Uh, who does peanut butter and bananas? Anybody? Yeah, that's so. That's healthy too. Yep, those are slightly good. <laughs> the front row. The, the original responder of the peanut butter and jelly did not care for that. <laughs> the bananas are the worst. <laughs> what are you talking about? We serve bananas every week at Pack City. The truth comes out. Is there any other problems we have at this church? Let's get it out now. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, we've, um, I, the reason I did all that whatever I just did there, um, uh, we're talking about one of the greatest dynamic duos of all time, and that is power and love. And uh, in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, after the Holy Spirit comes, after Jesus ascends, uh, you do not find... Uh, power without love. And you don't find love without power. And it's an, it is an essential duo for you and for me if we want to be Christians today. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's pray and invite God's power and love to be with us. Will you pray with me? So Holy Spirit, we invite you once again. We've been asking like for the last 45 minutes. As we're going to continue to ask, we want your love. We want to understand your love. We want to understand your power, God. So we come to you and we wait, we listen for you. Or we give you the situation in the Ukraine. God, we ask that you would be Lord over that, that you would bring peace to that situation, that you would, much like you disturbed the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, that you would disturb the heart of Putin, that he wouldn't be able to sleep, that you would cause him to change his mind. He would relent, Lord. And we know that you can do that. You've done it before. We ask you that you would do it again. And God, we lift up uh, all the different conflicts around our world. And we say, God, we need you. We need your peace. And without your peace, we have nothing. So we give you these things. God, I ask that you would be with us. Help us to learn. Help us to grow closer to each other. And God, we are grateful for this space. And God, we're grateful to you that even though like the last two years has been weird, you are a God who loves us and we worship you for that and we love you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, you got some notes. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna dive into those. Here's what's up. So, 1 Corinthians is a book of the Bible that was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul used to try to kill Christians and then Jesus met him on the road of Damascus, I think, uh, and uh, he blinded him with the light and he fell in love with Jesus and he became a born again, bona fide Christian. And then he really starts to grow in his faith and he becomes a missionary and he starts to go all around the different parts of the known Mediterranean world. And when he would go there, he would go to find the God-fearing Jewish people that were in that particular town, and he would share the power and the love of Jesus with them. And then they would come to faith in Jesus. And then he would hang out there for a little while, and then he would establish something called a 
church. And he would build this church, and then he would go to the next town. And oftentimes, what would happen is he would get reports about what was happening at the church after he left it. What, they, uh, what Paul was is something we call a church planter. Someone that goes in and feels very led to start something new, to stir up what God might be doing, to see people come to faith, help it become a worshiping community, and then move on to the next place. So he did this all throughout the Mediterranean until he was eventually beheaded in Rome. Um, and so uh, in this particular case, in 1 Corinthians, he had been there, he had established that church in Corinth, and he had moved on to the next town, and then he was getting some reports of some things that were happening in the church. And he's like, that's not how I taught them. They don't listen. And so he writes a letter. And so 1 Corinthians, the whole book is a letter. It's a direct letter letting everyone in Corinth at the church know what needs to change in order for them to be a healthy church. This is the equivalent of you getting that email from your boss. Uh, but uh, it's a little bit better than that. But you get the email from your boss, and the boss says, hey, listen, we got to make some changes here. And that's what Paul is doing. And so we read 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Marie. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. It's all about what love is and what it isn't, okay? But we didn't start the, the, the letter in 1 Corinthians 13. There's a bunch of chapters before that, roughly 12. Chapters precede 1 Corinthians 13. And what we see is that they, uh, Paul is addressing, he heard some things, and Paul is addressing that the gathering of Christians is experiencing some problems. And those problems is that people were speaking in an unknown prayer language, and no one understood what it was. And then they had people in a congregation, probably about this size, they were prophesying and then one person would start talking and in the middle of it, someone else would talk over them. And there was like this massive amount of confusion. Uh, and like, it was like very like intense and people couldn't understand what was happening. And so people really weren't hearing from God. There was another problem. People were going to this gathering thinking that the purpose of the gathering was just to understand, experience, and learn how to wield the power of God. So they were very much ambitious to experience God's power in a powerful way. But Paul is making the point in all these previous chapters. He's making the point. He's like, hey, I'm a big fan of spiritual power. Now let me explain to you spiritual gifts. So he goes and he explains, here's what spiritual gifts are, here's what spiritual gifts are not, and he uses this really fun analogy of the, uh, called the body. Now, maybe you've heard this, that we are the body of Christ, and each person in the body of Christ plays a different role. How can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Because we need each other, and each of us has something that the Spirit of God has given to us to participate in the body of Christ. And so he, he says he does that, but then he says, listen, if what we're doing is in the body of Christ, if we're all about spiritual power, spiritual experiences, and speaking in tongues or prophesying, and it turns into a distraction, if it starts to confuse people, then we're doing it wrong. That's not the way it was supposed to be done. And it means... That as people who are looking to find life with God come into our community, 
church in Corinth, if they can't understand what's going on and you're just all about the power, then you're missing the point. What you're doing is not good. You're not loving the people that are coming in. Maybe you have experienced a church other than this one where you've walked in and you've said, wow, it's really great. They have great worship. They have great preaching. Maybe they have great spiritual encounters. But there's something where it do I don't feel connected to the people. Or the people are cold. The people are hardened to outsiders who are trying to figure out what's going on on the inside. I know that there have been moments in the life of this church where we haven't done our best. And I'm sure you've experienced those things in other churches. And so what Paul does is after he says, we're the body of Christ, we all work together, we're a part of something, and God's spirit gives us what we need, he says, listen, you can have all the power you want. And frankly, some of you aren't even tapped into enough power. You can have all the power that God wants to operate and use you and do all the things with the things and all the things that you couldn't imagine you doing more than abundantly uh, in, in all different kinds of ways. But if he doesn't, if there isn't love, if there isn't love, you can't be the people of God without the love of God. It's a, I hear you, bro, sister. Uh, <laughs> hey, dude, give it up for these new parents. What's up, Benny? Yeah. Hey, Benny, Benny, it's cool if you're in the back. It's totally cool. Like, no, for real, you should stay. It's, we, can, we can handle that, right? Can we handle it? We can handle it. We want you to be in the room. So, yeah, all right. I have the mic. I can be louder, too. We'll have to edit this out. All right, he's going to not like, he's going to talk. He's gonna, hey, don't do that anymore. <laughs> anyway, power and love, it is a both and when we follow Jesus. If you are a Christian not operating in God's power, you are operating with an impotent faith. And if you are operating in the full power of God, great. But if you don't operate with love, then you're missing the point. There's a God who loves, and we need to learn to love like he did, especially like Jesus did. So when Paul, you read the, Marie reads these verses, the whole chapter, and you know, when Paul's talking about this love, He's not talking about Hollywood's romantic version of love. He's not talking about erotic love. He's not speaking about sentiment or just good vibes that we want to pass on to people. And Paul is not talking about when we absolutely love something. Like, oh, have you ever had this food at this new ramen restaurant? I love it. That's not what he's getting at. So what is this love you and I are commanded to have. It's not floaty out there. It's actually defined. And we're going to talk about that, which leads us to point number one. If you're taking notes and you received a pen, uh, you, uh, okay, it, the point number one is this. Love is essential, and without it, nothing else matters. So love is essential, and without it, nothing else matters. Look at the first right there. It says, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What is he saying here? There's tongues. There's heavenly tongues that the Spirit of God puts on our mouth. And when we go to speak, we don't speak in our English language. We actually speak in an angelic language, a spiritual language that is designed to encourage ourselves and to encourage the body of Christ. 
insofar that there is an interpreter for those tongues, right? So we very much believe that some of you could and should operate using the gift of tongues uh, to encourage yourself and to encourage the body of Christ. I've been in the room when it's uh, frequently when this is done. Someone is speaking in tongues and there's always a translator and it's done in an orderly way. I've been in rooms where it's been disorganized or unorganized and it's very, uh, very odd. But here's the point of this. You could have the best prayer language in the world. You could be the number one in Outreach Magazine's list of most gifted tongue prayers. Uh, Number one, every year, 10 years in a row. But if you have not love, you don't have it. It doesn't matter. It It doesn't matter if you're that connected to the king if you don't have love for your friend, for your neighbor, the person sitting next to you. It's required. Uh, look at number, verse number two. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Same goes here. Prophecy. Prophecy is the ability to see what God is up to in the world and call attention to it in a way that somebody else can't see. So sometimes you can prophesy over a church and say, God is leading us to move in this direction or that direction. As a church community, we should fast and pray for what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, We should fast and pray and and repent of the way we've allowed consumerism to enter into our Christianity. Uh, That's what prophets do. They say things that like kind of hurt a little bit. And you're like, yeah, maybe I'll make a change. And they can do that. And so what he's saying here is that there's this ability for you to hear from God and to bring favor and like uh, insights so that the people of God can respond. And if you can do it better than anyone, Outreach Magazine's number one prophesy, prophecy, prophet, prophet, there we go, <laughs> prophesier. And if you have faith that like you could literally like move a mountain, I, I mean, I get the impression of like you could just pick this chair up and move it over there. God probably won't do that because there's no spiritual benefit to it. But like you could do that if you were able to do that. You, can, you have all the wisdom, all the power, all the knowledge, and you have faith way bigger than a mustard seed, but you don't, you don't treat your spouse with respect. You don't love your spouse. You can prophesy till you're blue in the face, but if you're really bad at your job because you're lazy and you're not demonstrating love to the people that you work with, if you have the ability to have insights into the most amazing things, but you are just a bad kid and you're not really good with your parents, you don't respect and love your parents in the way, even though you might have problems with your, you know, finding the the love with boundaries with your parents, you know, if we don't love, we don't have anything. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And so, and here's where it gets a little interesting. Verse, uh, verse three, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This one's interesting because we're all on the journey of experiencing God's power. And we all want to pray for people and like, I want to, like, when I'm praying for you, like, even after all these years, and I'm the pastor, I probably shouldn't admit this, but, like, I'm like, Lord, please just give me a word. And then he does for you when I pray for you. I'm like, wow, I can't believe it happened. Like, I'm still surprised after. We're all on the journey towards God's power, experiencing God's power, recognizing God's power, walking in God's power. I get that. But then you read verse 3. This isn't even a power equation anymore. This is, like, just serving. 
This is just like, what does he say? He says, if you give away your possessions, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just something you could do like right now. Like you could just load up your car and give it all away. Or like you could cash it in and then give it all that away. Like that's just something you could do. Like you could just give and you could serve. You could believe all the right things. You could behave in all the right ways. You could serve and all the things, give away everything. But again, again, if there's no love, there's nothing. So what you do matters and how we do it matters. So it's not just that we have power, but there's this call to have power and love. The dynamic duo, you gotta have both. Are we clear? Are we clear? All right, cool. You know, um, so let's go to point number two. Love is definable and Jesus himself is the clearest definition. Love is definable and Jesus himself is the clearest definition. So look at verse four. We see that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love is, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So in this section, if we had time to read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, we would see that Paul is referring back to all these characteristics that we would have seen in the life of Jesus. I just would love to see that in person, that everywhere Jesus went, every situation he was in, Jesus was, showed patience. Jesus was kind. Jesus, uh, you know, he showed, uh, he, she wasn't envious. The idea that Jesus would boast, not in himself, but in God, his father. He wasn't proud. He didn't dishonor others. He wasn't self-seeking. The whole list that Jesus did all of these things. And the point of this is, and this is where we got to get clear. The point of this is, is that Paul isn't rattling off this list so that we feel bad. Have you ever had a sibling and a parent that like was doing better, the sibling does better than you? And, the, and it's like, they're like, wow, you're doing so well in this particular area of your life. For me, it was cleaning uh, anything or, uh, or doing any kind of yard work. My brother, Matt, was always really good at it. And my dad would be like, so why can't you do it like him? I'm like, I don't know, dad. And like, I, and like sometimes he would list off what I needed to do. And when he was doing it, he wasn't trying to like uh, hurt me. He was just saying, this is the way you do it, like your brother. Uh, and I didn't do it that well. And that, it would make me feel bad. And then, so the point is, it's like sometimes when we see these lists of to-dos, sometimes I think we think that they're lined up to just to make us feel bad. Hey, guess what? You don't measure up. Mm, I'm, you're not patient or you're not kind. And we sort of beat ourselves up and go, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not what he's doing here. And you can go back and look at the phrasing in the Greek if you want to, and we can discuss it, but I'm not going to go into the Greek. But what Paul is trying to do here, he's trying to invite us to imagine what it could be like if we started to love like this. And there's something powerful about uh, imagining what could be and what should be. Because when you start to imagine what could be and should be, and by God's grace, what would be, you begin to build a framework in your brain you're creating new neural pathways, new neural pathways that help you 
Next time you're faced with a choice to love or not love, you have the category there. You have the new way of thinking. You've created a vision of what could be in that particular situation. And so when you read these verses, you shouldn't feel bad. You're supposed to imagine what your life would look like if you chose to love in that particular situation with the particular characteristic of love. Am I, is this clear as mud? Are we, making, are we clear here? So here's how you do this. Here's a step-by-step approach. I would encourage you, if you can, memorize this. Start by memorizing the, as best you can 1 Corinthians 13. Take time to get it into your heart because there's something about when you memorize scripture, it comes back to you at the weirdest and most appropriate times. And what I mean by weirdest and most appropriate, that is the spirit of God bringing back to your mind the thing that you could be and you should, can, should be and by God's grace you will be at the appropriate time when you have a choice to love or not love. So do that. Do your best to memorize this. It's not that long. Maybe we could have a contest. No, no, people will feel bad if we did a contest. Uh, so we can't do that. But, um, but here's another way to do this. After you memorize it, or if you, don't, if you can't memorize things, if you're like, that's just not for me, it's not my brand of Christianity, here's a different way to do this. Take some time this week and write down all the main relationships in your life on like one side of a piece of paper. Uh, by the way, I started to build a chart for you to do this, and it was so difficult in the airport. I just was like, forget it. I'm just going to explain it with my hands. So on one side, it's all your main relationships. Maybe your mom, your dad are in your life. Or maybe, you're a, maybe you have a significant other of some kind. Maybe you have some work relationships. List all those out. And then along the top line, what I want you to do is just write down every different attribute that you would see in these verses. How many do, you see, how many do we see here? Patient, kind, and there's like almost a dozen. You want to kind of write those out across the top. And what you want to do in this is walk through each one of the attributes of love. And you want to use your imagination and answer a question for each. The idea is that you want to imagine and you want to visualize what love would specifically look like for this particular attribute and this particular person. So, for instance, we'll use, uh, you know, uh, we'll use Nikki as an example. So, and then you ask this question. What would it look like to demonstrate patience to Nikki? And then I would sit there and I would dwell on that. I would say, so I started to think, well, when, is, when, when do I need to be patient with her? Uh, it's usually when we're all getting ready for school, right? Well when the child is getting ready for school and there's stress. And then, or how about when there's patients around when we have to do these kinds of events with these kinds of people? What is going to happen? What does it look like for me to demonstrate patience? And so what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining and I'm visualizing. And that doesn't mean anything. I'm just imagining and I'm visualizing. But that what happens is if we do this, if we walk through this, the Spirit of God will influence our imagination and our visualization. And we actually, um, it, it doesn't mean we're actually going to do it right the next time. But we will, over time, be uh, left with a choice. We can either choose to kind of love through patience in the way that we had kind of visualized, or we cannot. But at least you're creating the category. And that's what Paul wants us to do here. Are we, are we clear? Next, next point, here we go. Um, love is the future 
of everything. And here's where this gets really, really cool. Uh, and I kind of hinted at this during communion. You see that there, there's prophecies. Uh, one day there won't be any more prophecies. Uh, and there's going to be tongues. We won't need tongues anymore. And where there's knowledge, because someone has more knowledge than someone else's knowledge, one day that's not even going to be a thing. And what is happening here is that Paul is trying to tell us that God's future kingdom is on its way to earth. God's future kingdom is pressing into Los Angeles. God's future kingdom and all that it should be and will be is pressing into Santa Monica. And there's moments where it's going to press into this room and it has already today. And in the future weeks, it's going to press in. His kingdom is coming. Many of us have been deceived to think that it is all about getting to heaven. But most of the New Testament, most of the New Testament written by Paul indicates that it's the opposite. Heaven's coming to earth. And Paul is teaching us that we're going to see more and more of God's heaven coming to earth. And in the future, love will be the guiding thing. Love will be the way of life. It will be the language that we speak. And it is the, already part of the language we speak, but it will be happening even more. And so what Paul is inviting us to do Yes, you need the gifts. If you're not operating in the power of God, you're not doing it right. But also, Paul's inviting us to live into the future of what's going to be. Hey, let's start to live now according to what's going to happen. Let's be anticipatory in our kingdom living and think in terms of God. We already know where the story's going, so why not start doing that now? There's an old um, pro hockey player named Wayne Gretzky. Does anyone know that name by chance? All right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it is okay if you don't. How about we do this? How about we raise your hand if you don't know? Don't do that. Don't do it. Okay, okay. So, oh, God. He's so embarrassing. Okay, so Wayne Gretzky uh, had like some, I think he still holds a record of the most goals scored in hockey. So, hockey's a sport that's played on ice. And uh, you, what you have to do is you have a thing and you hit it in the thing. <laughs> And so uh, Wayne Gretzky, just a massive amount of goals, way above everybody else. Like, like you're down here and he's way up there. Especially, and, you're, and if you don't know what uh, hockey is, you're way down there. And so he's way up there because he understands the sport. And he was so good at being at the right place at the right time and getting the goals. And they asked him one time, they interviewed him, and they said, why are you so good at getting goals? Which I think is like an amazing question to ask anybody. Well, let me tell you. And he said something really profound. He skates to where the puck is going. He skates to where the puck is going. And if you think about that, it seems simple, but it's not so simple. That he anticipates where the puck will be based on his experience, his knowledge, and then he puts himself there, and lo and behold, he's at the right place at the right time more frequently than everybody else. I think about that for us as we experience God's power. How do we experience God's power? Well, we skate to where the puck is going. But also, the long view of history that is yet to unfold before us. How do we skate to where the puck is going? We press into power. We press into caring for the poor. We press into justice. But we also press in to love. 
Because one day, that's where the puck is going. The puck is going to love. And we must learn to love as Jesus loved. And so let's do that now. In 10,000 years from now, uh, I don't know if we'll have church services, but I'd like to be in this room in 10,000 years from now. In 10,000 years from now, we will not be praying for healing anymore. We will not be prophesying over people. We won't be worried about any of the 100 things that we have to worry about today. We won't even be thinking about those things. And those issues that you have with that person, I'll pause. That person that you're thinking about right now, I've got mine. You are not going to be thinking about those 10,000 years from now. The disagreements, the polarization, the political problems that we face as a country. You're not going to be thinking of that. And none of that will matter to you in 10,000 years. But we will be. We will be with the one who invented love. We will be loving each other. And we will be in the universe that God has created that it will be full of love. And we will be fully experiencing God's love and God will be with us and we will be fully in love and caring for one another. So today, when we come to this and we, we say, you know, what, what is love? It's not just something that we read at weddings. It's just not something that helps us to feel better. It is something, a picture, a crystal clear picture of the future where we say, you know, God, uh, may your will be done in Santa Monica as it is in heaven. So let's lean into the love of God. I'm encouraging you to do that. Why don't we all stand? Um, I'm going to invite some of you to respond to God's love. Um, I heard that Patrick did a great job talking about love last week. And we both felt that we should press in in a slightly different direction. And I wanted to continue in that vein, um, and it, you know, Patrick really pressed into, um, you know, if we encounter God's love, it helps us to love others, and I think we should press into that again. And so uh, I'm going to invite some of you to, uh, well, actually, if that's just something you want to experience more of, why don't you open your hands like this, um, and if, um, and while while we're doing that, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite God's presence. We're going to just pause and see if there's anything else we should consider. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you be with us right now. Holy Spirit, come. And um, I ask that you would demonstrate your love to people. I lift up anyone here who feels alone or confused. Show them a picture of your love. For anyone that is going through a difficult relationship right now, show them your love. God, for anyone here that says, I just don't have energy to love other people, God, we, we, we recognize that you, we get to taste the first fruits with you. So come Holy Spirit, show them a picture of your love. Help them to sense your love right now. We welcome you here.